Welcome to the Brain Food Podcast. Today, I'm excited about this one. Last week, we had like an epic... I feel I don't remember how long the episode ended up being, but it was a long one where we t- told two badass stories for, from Rose, uh, President Rose, Theodore Roosevelt's life. Basically, it was just, he's got so much stuff. He did so many crazy things that we couldn't fit it all into one episode without it becoming ridiculously long. So we split it off, and this is essentially part two. Uh, Before we get into all of that, just a little bit of housekeeping to get us started. Thank you, everyone who continues to review. We we always appreciate it. Shall I read a couple of them? I don't feel like I need to ask. It does seem like a good idea, but I'm always like, (laughs) should we do this? A some panda... I don't know if that's like a some panda or like it's awesome panda without the W. They say the brain food show. I thank that I thank that this is a good idea. I'm assuming that's I think. I think that this is a good idea, and it's a lot like Hello Internet, but in a good way, and a good way to pass the time and learn something interesting. There you go. I feel like we're Hello Internet with facts. That's an interesting way to say that, but that's a good thing is to imply as if it is if to say being like Hello Internet wouldn't be a good thing. That's or I th- sorry, I think they say it's like hello internet but in a good oh yeah but in a good way so also they must not like hello internet that's interesting. no i think they can say like it's like hello internet but then you'd say in a good way not but in a good way i'm to assuming fair, they like person, hello internet to be fair, who doesn't like they hello probably internet? they probably typed this thing out in like 10 seconds and you know didn't exactly go back to his, why would you go it's a it's a review you don't go back and read it you know uh, you know what i'm gonna do i'm this, gonna be stopped this I'm, isn't <laughs> this isn't for publication they probably <laughs> didn't expect we'd read it on the air and also i'm gonna stop being critical of the people who are leaving us five-star reviews because well <laughs> it's kind of a dick move Makanai kokoro says this is the first podcast that i've ever listened to well that's Whoa. great thank you that's i appreciate that i really enjoy the because that's i mean you've got to download an app you've got to go in and subscribe you've got to be in like what is this it's like radio but the, from the internet and the first time because like anytime anyone you say podcast they're like what's that but i mean it's not like it's like super complicated but you do have to sort of you know it's not a, it's not here's a link up. to a youtube video it's like hey yeah. go and commit like well if you're if it was our last teddy roosevelt video like go commit an hour and a half of your life or whatever to, to listening yeah. to us banter on they go yeah. on to say i really enjoy the new format and always look forward to the next one keep up the great work let me do one more oh no this is a person to do. either they're making fun of me or it's a big coincidence because the title of their review is uh, sorry their username is youtube like c-h-u-b-e which i think is <laughs> making fun of my British pronunciation of youtube they say long time watcher of the youtube channel and <laughs> i'm now i'm always super self-conscious about how, as soon as someone mentions that i'm like ah uh, long-time watcher of the YouTube channel, and I really appreciate the longer-form dive into interesting topics. Great job. Well, thank you, everyone. These are just a few that I... I didn't really pick these at random. These were just uh, three that were in a row. So, um, yes, I appreciate everyone who has left us a review so far. Just a reminder, when we hit 100 reviews, we're giving away an Amazon gift, ca- uh, gift card. Go leave us an honest review. It can be it can be a one-star, like I say, if you want, or a two or a three or a four or a five. All of the options, yeah. and we're just going to pick someone at random to win a gift card and two runners-up at 25 each. So yeah. go on and, over. And thought, thoughtful feedback is always appreciated because it helps us, you know, in the early days of the show guide what we're doing and what we're changing and that sort of thing absolutely we uh i think someone actually pointed out i don't know if it was in a review or maybe on the forum forums.todayfoundout.com they were saying kind of what i like about the show is that you guys if there's something we don't like and like the majority of people are like we hate this you'll actually change it you actually listen and i yeah i read i read that one as well and i think he was starting out like he didn't actually like some of the things we were doing but we were changing so he, he was liking the changes and stuff there you go so, yeah that's that's what it's all about i am dead keen to get on to is there anything else we need to do because i just want to get into more more Roosevelt. yeah no that's perfect let's let's go for it just let me disclaim there is a disclaimer we did go on a little bit so i'm not going to repeat the whole thing about the pronunciation of uh of roosevelt we are it is it is roosevelt that's how that's how the man himself would choose to pronounce it despite the various controversies despite the four pronunciation options that my pronunciation dictionary Mm -hmm. that i normally go to gives me but i i know david's pretty good at keeping consistent but i have it all mixed up in my mind so if at points i do call him like roosevelt or or whatever i apologize ahead of time uh so yeah and if anyone uh, missed that episode go back and listen to the the last one because it's 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 interesting you are such a professional podcaster look at that you're doing like go back and listen and and all of this all of these things that we should absolutely be doing we're gonna go back if you listened to the last episode we sort of jumped which you should yeah and so we're gonna go back to during the presidency the the early days of theodore roosevelt's when he took over from mckinley yep uh, so, so there was a United Mine Workers of America strike, and mm-hmm. this was like kind of a big deal. And um, so, basically, 
in the end, Roosevelt helps resolve this strike. Um, this was a big deal at the time because this is how people heated their homes. Like this was, you know, so the strike was a, was a major deal in the winter. Like this is not going to be good if we all run out of coal. Yeah. Uh, so he, Roosevelt he knows Roosevelt. about cold winters because that yeah, was last yeah. week's episode. It was all about that. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So it all gets resolved. And then after the crisis is averted, uh, Mississippi Governor Andrew H. Longino Mm-hmm. Uh, he ends up inviting Roosevelt out on a hunting trip because it's in November and Roosevelt loves hunting. He loves that, yeah. Uh, so, so he just job well done. I'm gonna go take. I'm gonna go take a vacation. Uh, so yeah. So with they had they brought with them 50 hunting dogs, um, a bunch of trappers, horses, camping supplies, journalists, the whole thing. And as you, if you you know Whoa. look into Roosevelt, this is not the way he prefers to hunt. You know, he's he's much bigger on the actual traditional like I'm gonna track the animal myself and you know hunt it down. And it's a dangerous animal. You know, in the wilderness. So it's kind of a dangerous for him, too. He likes that style of, you know, travels. But, you know, hunting trip. Of course, he's the president. You're not going to not bring journalists and all this sort of stuff even back then. Seems like um, that's a serious party. 50 hunting dogs. Yeah, yeah, and just a huge, huge party. And so, yeah, they're, they are hunting in the swamplands, which is quite dangerous in November. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. So they choose ended up choosing a guy by the name of Holt Collier for their guide and he was uh, interestingly this is a former slave who was a cavalryman for the confederate general nathan bedford forrest during the civil war so one of those uh, interesting uh, joined on the confederate side there which, you go. Uh, there's some interesting historical ta- context there for a whole nother episode at some point i feel like um, we've touched on this before or i've i've read about this somewhere about yeah. uh, about former slaves and and black people joining for the confederate side yeah but i thought this was yeah. kind of largely wasn't this largely a rumor or something didn't we do like a mythbuster one about this i think it might have been it must have been like top tens or something maybe maybe i don't think i've i don't think i've covered this one but we should cover that because that's quite an interesting thing um anyways uh so collier was an expert guide at this area he knew the region well he'd actually killed over three thousand bears in his lifetime in the Mm. region wow Uh, so leading hunting (laughs) expeditions and stuff that's a lot of bears yeah so uh, it's a 10-day hunting trip they go out, they're going to track and kill a bear, but the problem is everyone's seeing bears and like hunting bears, but Roosevelt, you know, they would break off into their little parties and stuff when they're hunting. Roosevelt's not finding a bear. And so this, you know, he's the president, he needs to find a bear. So they're they're <laughs> kind of looking for one. They're really getting impatient to find him one because, you know, they invited him down and everything. And so finally, uh, Collier, he tracks one down. It's about a 235 black pound black bear. Okay. Um, so what is that? Uh, kilograms, like 106.594 kilograms. It's it's a substantial black bear. Yeah, is it it's a, it's a decent sized bear. Uh, but so before they get there the dogs, all those dogs they had, they end up attacking the bear, and um, the bear actually kills one of the dogs, And but the, I mean, the bear's like severely wounded at this point when Collier comes up to them, and so Collier gets there, and he's like, all right, we gotta keep the bear alive, so he, you know, he calls the dogs off, and he he, but, he gets a, he takes the butt of his gun and bashes the bear's head to sort of, like, daze him, and then he ties up the bear to a tree, and okay. so... You can imagine we're kind of moving away from hunting here, aren't we? This yeah, this is this is, and you can imagine Roosevelt's attitude to yeah. this was like, no, like Roosevelt comes and everyone's like, yeah, shoot the bear, awesome. Here's the, a bear, the bear that's tied up, all bloody, tied up and bloody, and yeah. like somewhat mortally wounded already. And Roosevelt's like, no, I'm not gonna shoot this bear, and this is like completely unsportsmanlike. I'm not, I'm not doing it. Yeah, he was, he was quite disgusted with the whole situation, and uh, so he ended up because the bear was mortally wounded, he did order someone to kill it because he didn't want to just leave it to suffer you know uh in the yeah so he has a he has the bear killed or whatever but this this sort of like um this sort of like defense of the bear like he refuses to shoot this this bear and so like unsportsmanlike it ends up becoming you know the journalists are long it becomes a national story okay. you know uh, and and it also it, it ended up uh, a famous comic by um which we should probably put in the show notes just so people can see it so a pulitzer prize winner uh clifford k berryman mm-hmm. uh he made a drawing of the of the cartoon in the washington post on november 17th 1902 and it was um it was basically it was drawing the line in mississippi so it wasn't just about the the black bear but also roosevelt there was lots of lynchings going on in the south and roosevelt yeah. was was, um, kind of trying to put a stop to that and stuff so it was kind of like a, a combination like the, the the cartoon had like double meaning there and so it was quite quite a famous uh cartoon yeah and so yeah so roosevelt actually famously like interest even though his mother was uh was from the south and like very southern you know slave owner type thing uh he was actually quite supportive of uh, black people and was kind of pro women's rights and pro black people rights and everything which was quite unusual for his day and he got he actually around the same time got himself in a lot of trouble 
by becoming the first president to invite a black person for dinner at the White House. And he invited, uh, it was Booker T. Washington. Mm-hmm. And it was actually, they had actually just had a meeting. They were supposed to have a meeting and, and uh, he was running late for the meeting, uh, Roosevelt was. So he just said, hey, come come to dinner instead. We'll just talk then. And so this is actually like happened Roosevelt about, more and more. It's like, yeah, not only yeah. is he a badass, he's also a super decent person. I mean, I know we heard a lot about it when he was hunting those guys down and he was like honest, but this is kind of like a different kind of decency and kind of ahead of his time. Yeah, yeah. So he, so he has this this dinner. This famous yeah. dinner occurred on October 16th, 1901. So it was about a year a year before this. But uh, so mm-hmm. yeah, the, the media was not kind to him for the most part. I mean, some of the North media for this dinner, this is kind of going on a sidetrack, but I think it's kind of interesting. So the, the Southern papers, this was a problem. So for instance, um, the Memphis Scimitar reported, if you want to read this, this quote from their newspaper. The most damnable outrage which has ever been perpetrated by a citizen of the United States was committed by the president when he invited a I don't think I can say that word. Yeah, uh, say that word. <laughs> to dinner with a dinner at the White House. It would not be worth it would not be worth more than a passing notice if Theodore Roosevelt had sat down to dinner on his own time with a Pullman car porter. But Roosevelt, the individual, and Roosevelt, the president, are not to be viewed in the same light. Yeah, wow, and, and if, if, that, if that wasn't good enough, you should read the quote from U.S. Senator from South Carolina, Ben Tillman, and who perto- he, he actually proposed a retaliatory measure for the dinner. I don't, I just, just as a side comment here, I don't understand how you can be like writing these things. I know a lot of the stuff that we're doing today, I'm sure people will look at it in the future and go like, oh my god, these guys were animals. But when you're writing something yeah. like this, how do you not know that history is going to not be kind to you? And this is, yeah. you know, the South Carolina Ben Tillman senator, he's probably not remembered for a whole bunch other than this nasty stuff that he writes. I would think they probably think history would be kind to them because history is going to be on their side, maybe. Like the future is going to be like, oh, you were right, not the North. I imagine that's the mentality you would think. Or maybe they were just really passionate and they didn't care. Like slavery and stuff? Yeah. Like that that would continue to be a thing? Like... I don't know. Uh, anyway, the action, he, he said, the action of President Roosevelt in entertaining that <clears throat> will necessitate, a, wow, this guy, <laughs> will necessitate our killing a thousand in the South before they will reach their place again. That's crazy. Yeah. So uh, and so Roosevelt after this dinner, he's he's at Yale University, uh, getting a honorary doctorate. And uh, who else is there but Mark Twain? And oh. so uh, and Booker T. Washington hey. was actually also there. Uh, but uh, yeah, so Roosevelt actually asks Twain what what he thinks of all the controversy that's going on because this was early in his presidency. You know, he's taking over as from vice president to to president after uh, McKinley was uh, assassinated. And so Twain re- Twain replied that a president was perhaps not as free as an ordinary citizen to entertain whoever he likes. Wow. And but but get this. So a few days after this, Roosevelt makes a public statement of it, and this is like his principle of the thing thing. He he is his little no nonsense style. Yeah, there's no kind of like angry response. It's just I shall have him to dine as often as I please. And then he also gives his quote to sort of sum up uh, his opinion of black Americans and his thoughts on the whole thing. If you want to read that one. The only wise and honorable and Christian thing to do is to treat each black man and each white man strictly on his merits as a man, giving him no more and no less than he shows himself worthy to have. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Roosevelt, He's nicely, just... uh, nicely ahead of its time and yeah, nicely done. Yeah. Back to teddy bears. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was an interesting side on the sort of the bear, uh, co- the bear comic that was, you know, the drawing the line in Mississippi, sort of his stance on that that controversy and everything. So, anyways, back to the back to the story of the bear. Yes. Yeah, so uh, so the this is like national news. Mm-hmm. Everyone's just like, oh wow, this is amazing. This this president like mercy on the bear or whatever. And often, actually, in, in a lot of accounts, you, it's said that he let the bear go, but he didn't actually let the bear go. He did have it killed just because it was already mortally wounded, and he didn't. He just wanted to have it put it out of misery but but he made a point about it it wasn't like yeah. yeah he didn't he didn't it wasn't sportsman and all that so uh going over to new york and there is a couple by the name of morris and rose mitchtum would mm-hmm. you pronounce that mitchtum 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 yeah i don't know yeah yeah they were jewish immigrants uh they had come over to the rest about 19 years before during the russian Pogroms? Are you familiar with this? I am not familiar with that. I'd say I'd say I'm pogroms, pretty sure. But... If I remember correctly, that was a period when they were basically just like getting rid of all the Jews in Russia. Ah, yes. Um, okay. And so they were fleeing that sort of thing. And uh, so yeah, they arrive in the U.S. with basically 
clothes on their back type of thing, immigrants. Mm-hmm. And then they start a toy store and and they also sell candy and stuff. And they, they see this in the news, this story of the bear. And so they say, hey, let's say he, the, the guy, um, he asks his wife, Morris asks his wife, Rose, if she wouldn't mind sewing up a little toy stuffed bear. Mm-hmm. You know, and then they'll they'll put it in their thing and they'll call it Teddy's Bear. That was kind of their idea. And when that happened, tons of people come in and they wanted to buy this these bears. You know, they wanted to buy a teddy bear. Yeah. Um, and this this is sort of the the origin of the teddy bear thing. Huh. And so as it sort of becomes really popular, they were like, well, this we should probably ask permission to call it to Teddy Bear. You know, so they actually take the original bear and they send it off to Teddy Roosevelt and they ask and they say, here's a gift for your children. Here's this bear. And can we can we call it a teddy bear and can we market this? And he was like, sure, go ahead. Uh, no problem. And so, yeah, this just became a huge thing throughout the U.S. Like teddy bears just became like a, the stuffed animal of choice. It was like the thing and everyone called it a teddy bear. And even in his uh, subsequent in the 19 uh, in the next, I think it was the 1906 elections. Uh, he actually teddy bear was the symbol of the Republican Party hmm. um, during that thing. He used it. Um, so, yeah, it was just like hugely popular. And these people, they uh, this couple, they ended up starting the Ideal Novelty and Toy Company, which people might be familiar with today with like the mousetrap game. Are you familiar with? Familiar mousetrap with mousetrap, yeah. That's the one where you, yeah. the 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 cage falls down on something. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they made that, and they also introduced the Rubik the Rubik's cube to America, um, that sort of thing. So yeah, and it was actually around uh, World War II or so. They were actually the uh, largest doll company in the U.S. for their stuffed animals and everything. In conjunction with this, there was a German company that actually also at about the same time started making these bear stuffed animals yeah uh, with the stife stife company margaret stife and they um they also kind of helped popularize the thing uh, there was an american toy maker who saw it and, and he brought their stuffed bears back to the u.s and they were you know very popular and so around this time that's sort of like the the genesis of the of the teddy bear and yeah the german company um, was just a coincidence or did they did you say they saw the 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 i think this the story is that it was just a complete coincidence and they didn't see it although of course this was like national news in the u.s it's not uh you know it's possible they did actually see it and of course they're not going to say we just copied this thing but maybe they did come up with it because you know on their own these things happen it's not yeah they did make other uh, stuffed animals at the time and so you know doing a bear was was kind of a natural extension yeah so that's that story and now we're going to get into some awesome bonus facts ah good there's a lot of these yeah there's a lot and because he's an awesome individual just in case our two episodes about him so far have not made that clear all right yeah so the the first one you've heard of the have you heard of the his little slogan the speak yeah. softly and carry a big stick yeah that I've was heard like of this. His, yeah that was the, and he actually took that that wasn't his he didn't come up with it he borrowed that from it was a west african proverb that was uh that he liked and it was the full proverb was actually the original uh, translated was just speak softly and carry a big stick you will go far so this i know this isn't really written down here but that that's kind of it kind of means like have lots of power but don't wield it like only wield it when you really need it so like be prepared to do things but you know be like hello how's it going and then like when you need to do something (laughs) yeah sort of the the, there's you know it's a nice defense and also you know people aren't going to attack you or you know yeah kind of a good policy don't be overly aggressive but you know you have the power to be if you need to be one thing little known about Roosevelt for all his in shapeness and like his you know as we talked about before he's just like one big walking talking muscle yeah uh, so when he <laughs> was a lodged, kid as we, as we heard last week <laughs> bullet lodged in his ample chest muscle I think was how it was described yeah so when he was uh, around college and stuff and he had, he had had a lot of health problems and around college he actually saw because a doctor about it because he had he had heart problems all the time like mm-hmm. heart palpitations and things like this which I mean back then especially this is this is not good uh, even today it wouldn't be good but back then there's you know probably not a lot they can do about it so his doctor recommends that he seek a career behind a desk and avoid any strenuous activities in his he life. He did not do that. No, you talk about avoiding stress and strenuous, like you could be yeah, present is like, like the opposite of that. Yeah, I was going to say he like took on seemingly as much mental stress and physical stress as possible. Yeah, like basically through his whole life, he just continued with all his adventures and things. And so instead, he did the opposite and he took on, uh, he regularly boxed, played tennis, hiking, rowing, playing polo, horseback riding, practicing judo, earning a third degree brown belt among other regular exercises and all his adventures tromping around the world why did he go to the doctor in the first place it's just i'm not gonna say yeah and uh, to be fair he did eventually die of heart failure but like i think he was like 60 years old or something and uh and and his his like extreme exercise all the time probably actually helped him out uh in the long run and so i love this i love this other story about his boxing this is just another funny thing so so he's boxing he boxes several times a week with people Mm -hmm. which 
I mean, that's just crazy back then. You're just boxing for practice, having people punch you in the face and body and everything. But yeah, yeah. well, I guess nowadays yeah. we have a better understanding of like, oh, look, that's really, you know, you might you might get a concussion today and be okay yeah. next week, but long term, it's probably not a brilliant idea. Yeah. To be fair, back then with like the bare knuckle bro- boxing and stuff, they actually didn't have as much of the concussion problem as they do today. And it was because you didn't, I mean, if you're going to punch someone in the face as hard as you can without any gloves or anything, you're probably going to break your hand if you're pretty strong. And so, like, it wasn't really a thing to, like, really focus on the head too much. You know, it was more body and stuff. So they yeah. actually didn't quite. And even if you are going to punch them in the head, you're, you might going to be a little, you're going to be maybe not your full strength to avoid, you know, well, the, breaking your hand. It's kind of like the, the American football helmet thing. Like, yeah. did you, did you, because we did a, a collaboration video with a channel called yeah, Cheddar. Yeah, and they, they did a whole thing about this. It was really interesting, like how yeah. maybe they shouldn't be wearing helmets because when they get helmets, they just are smashing into each other. Yeah. And these are like incredibly powerful, huge guys that are just, yeah. you know, full strength smashing because they have this protection. Whereas back in the day before they had all this protection, it wasn't a lot of the that sort of thing wasn't quite as big of a deal or whatever. They didn't have the problem because you're not going to go full bore at full strength, like smashing your head into someone. If there like was going to be a little bit more. If there was a bonus fact coming up later that just says like Roosevelt. Yeah, he was really into America. American football and you refuse to wear pads yeah yeah this yeah, no. would be but absolutely in, fitting yeah well but in this case he's boxing several times a week yeah. and at one point he did get punched in the face in the eye in fact and it detached his retina and oh. he went blind oh. in that eye and so at that point he did be like all right I'm going to stop boxing. So instead, he takes up judo, as wow. you would. Okay, yeah. A friend of mine at university yeah. had a, got a detached retina. Just, oh. uh, I, I had no, that's a very, it looked like a, a really troubling thing. It was like, he was like, yeah, it's, yeah. it's quite serious and bad. I was like, oh. Yeah, if, if, you've, if that happens, you should definitely go to an eye doctor immediately because I think they can reattach it if it's quick enough, but that if was it's the too thing. long. That was the thing. He yeah. had to go super quick and they reattached it because otherwise it like the blood cuts off to yeah. the eye and the yeah, eye so dies. And... Yeah, the retina, yeah. Yeah, that's a, and that's a thing if you see a lot of, you know, like when, you see um so what is it like maybe like a migraine or something i don't know if people are familiar with you kind of see that sort of like flashing on the outside of your eye and like little things you see little dots yeah. all, the, all over the place so this and is like the thing uh, and, and uh, another thing i i bizarrely i would never had a migraine in my life a year ago got one for the first time ever and it was bizarre because mm-hmm. i didn't have a headache and i was just in the store and i was like why can't i read things i'm looking directly yeah. at something and there's just like i can't see the entire left side of that sentence i'm like looking at the ingredients and i'm like yeah am i going blind and then like an Did hour later i get a later? splitting headache yeah oh yeah that's what happens is yeah. ocular migraine yeah never happens again the, but really bizarre the, oh, if you look at something really bright sometimes that'll trigger it for some like for me that's what i can i have to wear is like sunglasses outside and stuff in the summer but huh. uh, but in, anyways yeah so if you see that and it's just happening randomly like you haven't done any of that and then just gets worse and worse and all of a sudden you can't see like yeah that's probably your retina <laughs> detaching and you should go you should go get that taken care of immediately like no matter what hour of the day it is as a slight hypochondriac now every time i'm like <laughs> did i see a weird flash in the side of my eyes you'd be like yeah. detached retina i'm gonna go blind yeah. that's what that's whenever like when it's not migraine related when i have that uh, happen every now and then it'll just like you see that for a little bit and i'm like ah oh, all right is this, is this the yeah. time you know it's, it's coming up <laughs> gonna go in for some eye surgery the time like the expectation that at some point in your life you're going to get a detached retina <laughs> like, yeah. i don't know whether it'll be today but it's gonna happen like, I, yeah. I don't think detached retina is a very common thing are they this is it so he takes up judo instead as you would because you know don't want to get punched in the other eye and then it's like well yeah. that's bad yeah and as, as as pointed out he third degree brown belt in judo eventually so he didn't yeah. it wasn't just a idle hobby do you know, did so you yeah, know I, do you, sorry this is a bit of a tangent vladimir putin is like the highest black belt in uh, is, is it judo or, or karate or something and there was a yeah. do, you, do, you, do you know the website quora the the q u o r a yeah someone was like yeah. if all the world leaders were put in a room and had like a battle royale of who would who would win yeah. basically there was it one commentator who was like him. yeah i'm not even russian i don't particularly like vladimir putin but he would absolutely destroy everyone else because he's just yeah. like a martial arts expert who served in like the kgb for years <laughs> And he's still like in amazing shape. You see, like he has those workout videos where he's still showing off his strength and yeah. everything. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. He would 
definitely a, yeah he would win but yeah uh, interesting roosevelt with all his uh, awesomeness and manliness he was only five feet eight inches tall which for our european let's see 172.72 centimeters yeah he was he was a he was a short guy but like one big muscle yep. uh, thanks to all his his uh, exercise that he did all his life he did actually later in his life after he got shot as you would it kind of interfered with a lot of his exercise so he did he kept eating the same way as he did before and he actually got quite fat for a little bit but then he goes as he would he goes on a uh, expedition in South America and on his river of doubt expedition and he ended up losing 55 pounds on that expedition because he got tropical fever infection and so get this get how he gets this infection he injures his leg jumping out of his own boat to attempt to stop with his own strength two other boats so they wouldn't crash into rocks of his crewmen. So he jumps out of his boat, grabs wow. these other two boats, trying to stop them from crashing out of, like by his sheer strength in the river that's going to crash them against the rocks. And this is what he does. And he hurts his leg during this, and he gets he gets an infection. And this actually would um, they his his crew. He just kept saying, "Leave me, I'm dead. You're I'm slowing you down. You need to go." You know, this is dangerous, you know, for you, too, if you just keep tagging me along. And so it was because he was going really slow with him because he was, you know, dying or whatever. So and he's just like, leave me. And they're like, no, we're not going to leave you. So they they keep him. And he actually he lives through this, but he does have uh, various he gets keeps getting leg problems for the rest of his life and uh, various sicknesses pop up. So uh, if, if you're going to get injured and you're telling a story like, oh, what happened to your leg? Well, uh, let me tell you a story. <laughs> In a raging river, I jump yep. out of the boat and grab two other boats to stop them from crashing into the rocks. <laughs> we want to read the next bonus fact. This one's just a sentence. It's a great. Uh, it's another awesome Roosevelt uh, little fact there. Yeah, why not? Uh, speaking of being manly, Roosevelt frequently liked to skinny dip in the wintertime in the Pot- Potomac? Uh, I'd say Potomac. Potomac? Potomac. I think I looked that one up before, and it was Potomac, and I found it weird. Yeah. Uh, in the in Potomac the River. In the winter. Just, I'm going to go for a... Where is yeah. that? Is that in the... Whereabouts is that? Like, because America's really big. Like, in the South, like, if he was skinny dipping in the winter in Florida, I'd be like, yeah, okay, but this is not in Florida, is it? No, this is, this is the, uh... It's long, so it's actually probably in uh, several states here. Ah. But no, uh, mid-Atlantic, uh region of the u.s what is the mid-atlantic region of the u.s isn't yeah that's what i'm trying to say this is in the uh potomac river is in the mid-atlantic it's sort of uh west virginia maryland virginia uh yeah west virginia maryland virginia district of columbia region so yeah it's cold okay yeah yeah. i i I feel it wouldn't be in there and it wouldn't be about roosevelt being a manly man if it wasn't uh yeah i assume i assume he's doing it in washington dc perhaps Mm -hmm. it looks like it uh tributaries there kind of makes sense given Um, his uh his career yeah all right and so yeah good I like that one. That's Go a nice for, short one. Okay, and this is great. His daughter. So we haven't talked about his daughter at all, but you know. We didn't really the talk daughter about his of like, family other than the fact that he had a daughter and his wife died. He he doesn't talk about his family. Like in his autobiography, he doesn't even mention his first wife. And he didn't, that was like a thing for when she died. Like he did not mention her again. And he didn't even call his daughter. His name was Alice as well. And he mostly, for the most part, just called her by a nickname because he didn't like his, he didn't like the name Alice being mentioned. He was, wow. you know, obviously as his wife dies suddenly. Uh, so yeah. He didn't even mention her really in his autobiography. Like, you know, he was just kind of a sore spot for him. So he didn't want to talk about it. Um, So, yeah, his daughter, being the daughter of like the manliest man in, you know, American history or something. uh, As you might imagine, she was considered very unladylike. In her, okay. in her time she was well her she was mother was also not, her mother also died so she's got like one parent yeah to, she's one parent raising her and he's like this manly man <laughs> uh, so yeah she uh, she was known for her habit of smoking gambling promiscuity mm-hmm. late night parties and keeping a pet snake actually was interesting <laughs> as you do yeah and uh, also for her incredibly as you know her dad was uh, quite intelligent and she inherited that uh-huh. she had real quick wit was great you know for the newsreels you know she could she could give a good a good quote when she needed to um, and with like no regard whatsoever for the fact that her father was the president so she would just like break into you know state meetings and uh and so roosevelt says he's like uh he's like i can either run the country or i can attend to alice but i cannot possibly do both <laughs> and so and oh and this is great when uh when she when they eventually roosevelt you know he moves out of the white house yeah. and have to come in so alice roosevelt she buries a voodoo doll of the new president's wife nelly taft in the front yard ah uh, we discussed like, last week how there was a bit of a taft and yeah. taft and uh although when he when he first moved into the white house wasn't taft quite uh, yeah roosevelt, i think he was roosevelt. still he was still he was still a fan uh, at that point but apparently <laughs> his daughter was not a fan of moving out of the white house apparently apparently not like, yeah. do you know how old she was at this point i uh, let's look at i up. guess if she's living in the white house with her dad then she can't be can't be 
can't be that. Uh, let's see. She, she she was born in eighteen. Um, it would have been eighteen eighty four because that's when his his wife died. So right, we know that. So when when was he in the White House? That would have she would have had to been in, in her late teens, early twenties. So nineteen oh nine, she would have been twenty five. Correct. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she would have been 25 at this point. So yeah, her and this is great. So speaking of her promiscuity and her reputation mm-hmm. for, for parties and everything, her, her lone child, yeah. Paulina Longworth, was not the child of her husband. Instead, it was uh, uh, the daughter. She it was the daughter of Senator William Bora, who she had a long-lasting affair with. And this is great. So Nick, Nick Longworth himself had many children, not uh-huh. by Alice oh, no. as well. She so it wasn't up, just her a marriage, one-sided thing. <laughs> her marriage ends up going really south and unhappy when Alice herself campaigns against her husband. In what? Like a uh... in the play- he was he was a senator. Uh, oh so. no. Oh yeah, of course he was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so. yeah, you can imagine. So it wasn't the affair that did it, and it was like when you campaign against your own husband. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, she was quite. A, we should probably do like a. a she sounds like there's a video was, video there. Yeah. She was. Yeah, she was quite a character as well. Um, has there been a good? Yeah. Has there been a good uh, Roosevelt movie? I feel like they. I don't think so. And there's so much material here. This is like an amazing, like you know, like they did the Lincoln movie. Like this is this guy's got a lot, yeah. a lot you could go over too. And he did a lot of significant things. I mean, we're gonna get into some of the things bef- later. Like, and he arguably sort of delayed the start of World War One by some of his actions, as you'll you'll sort of see. Yeah, you could make that argument because of some of the wars he helped prevent leading up to World War One. I. I would I would like that. That would be a good movie. They did uh, yeah. Hoover as well. J. Edgar with uh, DiCaprio yeah. a few years ago, which yeah. was kind of not. Yeah, as, not, not Lincoln, but <laughs> he needs a movie. Um, so going on, you were mentioning earlier the uh, the relationship between uh, Theodore Roosevelt and uh, FDR. Yeah, and they were oh, so it turns out uh, he was the fifth. So Theodore Roosevelt was the fifth cousin of future President Franklin Delano Roosevelt, and he was also the uncle uncle of Franklin D. Roosevelt's wife, Eleanor Roosevelt, who was Teddy's brother's Elliot's daughter. Which is interesting to note. You know what her name before she got married was? Mm-mm. Also Roosevelt. Oh, that makes That's sense. How, yeah. I was like, I was reading it and I was like, Eleanor Roosevelt, knee Roosevelt. And I'm like, what? And I was like, oh yeah, of course, because she's actually she more closely to... related to him than her husband. Yeah, didn't have to change her name there. There you go. Must have made it easy, like no new passport or anything. Done. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do they have passports mm-hmm. back then? Maybe not. Anyway. Yeah, I'm sure they, I'm sure they had. Uh... It's something. Oh, here we go. So we've all been glowing on Roosevelt. Yeah. But this is sort of an interesting uh, little a little insight into history that a lot of people, people when they think of like eugenics and stuff, they think of like Hitler and stuff. But like it turns out like ac- in actuality before like the Nazi party and Hitler, like eugenics was a thing like very popular. It was popular with Winston Churchill. Like so many of the leaders of the day were like, yeah, eugenics, right? Because you still had like the Darwinism <laughs> and stuff. Like it, it just makes sense to be like not necessarily based on race for a lot of these people. It was more based on like the best people, the best you know most quality people should be the ones to breed and everyone else and so to make humanity better like this was the idea sort of evolution so it was like taking evolution to in our own hands and so right this was and, like, and this is complicated because then it moves from something like yeah. how more uh, where this is much more morally complex than just like we should eliminate yeah. the jews because that's kind yeah. of like clearly yeah, and this, even like all the brilliant ones as well like what's up with yeah, that like, that's just straight all up all these people yeah and most of the their idea was not to eliminate a race it was to eliminate right. like, the criminal and like the, the bad people, you know. Or, yeah. But then, of course, you get to this like, well, who decides who's the bad people, you know? Yes. And so this obviously, after World War II, this idea became extremely unpopular because the Nazis, of course, took it to to a to a level that everyone was like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, maybe yeah. this wasn't such a good idea. Yeah. So Roosevelt, though, he was while he was like he was way ahead of his time on you know black people rights, uh, women's rights, all this stuff. He did not have the same opinion as far. I mean, he did like as an individual, like he was fine with you know sick or crippled people, and as pointed out like even with criminals he was respectful of them and everything like that but he didn't think they should breed because it just wasn't good for for humans so he was quite in favor of like eugenics uh at the time for to, to basically stop the wrong people from breeding as he as he said so he actually has a quote uh, roosevelt says if you want to read this this quote here yeah he stated i wish very much that the wrong people could be prevented entirely from breeding and when the evil nature of these people is sufficiently flagrant this should be done criminals should be sterilized and feeble-minded persons forbidden to leave offspring behind them see and this is yeah. this is kind of where we move into that complex area because like you were saying in in his quote there like the wrong people feeble-minded persons who yeah. is defining that like because yeah, i mean exactly a prostitute for example i mean we were seeing there in, yeah. in the u.s and elsewhere in the world they were performing the sterilization of sick criminal prostitutes etc 
but it's like you know who decides like and in our modern in in our modern perspective the idea of like sterilizing a prostitute would seem particularly crazy yeah yeah and it was surprising though even after world war ii like obviously the eugenics movement like died off very quickly as you might expect sort of um a group taking it to its extreme uh and it was like well wait a minute and so yeah but even then like sweden uh had like forced uh uh, eugenics for i think it was uh 1975 was when they they forcibly sterilized like 21,000 people um and the u.s u.s last forcible sterilization 1981 wow Um, so it was still like there was still like maybe not not based on race but there was still this thing that like yeah there's these people that we don't want them to breed Uh, it was kind of crazy and if you look there's a wikipedia has a great page on this that shows like all the different countries this was not just a sweden and u.s thing this was like a a thing that was still a thing so shockingly for for a while um these these sort of forced sterilizations of certain people Uh, which is crazy anywhere it's still going on do we need to name and shame any countries Let's see. Let's do a quick scan. Oh, as a means of uh, apparently Uzbekistan in 2012 was still if you had two or three children, it was a means of population control. Not so much a maybe eugenics thing. Just like let's, yeah. you've had enough. You've had enough children. Your your time is done. Okay. Um, I don't know. There's just there's a really long Wikipedia page on this very thing. If anyone wants to go peruse it, it's it's quite interesting to read. I feel like this is a very dark and interesting topic. I feel like this bonus fact could be fleshed out into into an episode sometime. Yeah. A very morally. Yeah, well, complicated episode which will probably say yeah, something the, uh, entirely innocent that we'll get in trouble for because that's... you should see the uh, we ha- i have an article on the fascinating history of eugenics and the fact that oh. i titled it the fascinating history that people didn't care for that but it was like well things that are dark can also be fascinating the nazis like, were not, pretty not, fascinating it's yeah like... they were pretty fascinating i'm not saying anything positive there but i think a lot of people took it as positive because i'm saying oh it's fascinating but uh, yeah people didn't like that title of that one which uh, i just thought it was it's fascinating it's an interesting different difference from today like different mindset people are very keen to ascribe emotions to emotionless states like surprise yeah. is always the one that is is my favorite example of this like it's very easy to think oh it's a surprise it's a positive thing and it's like no surprise is a neutral negative uh, a, a neutral yeah, po- uh, emotion yeah it could be positive could, could be, be negative, negative. Does, not really could be could be neither really yeah. it could just be neutral like you say yeah because um, i although i suppose if you did like some surprising things about the nazi party it'd be like eh, it's probably negative surprising things <laughs> yeah yeah it's not like yeah, hitler so- was great for the economy <laughs> <laughs> World War Two pulled the U.S. out of the. Uh, a lot of people considered pulled the U.S. out of the Great Depression. Finally, put the nail in the coffin of that. Started the military-industrial uh, yeah. complex. Arguably, made the U.S. the most powerful country in the world. Yeah, those U.S. became uh, super powerful after that. But yeah, <laughs> let's, let's not take that quote out of context. <laughs> yeah, someone's going to be like, "So you like the Nazis?" <laughs> it's like, no. "No, definitely do not like the Nazis." <laughs> to be clear, are we are we done with right, eugenics? So, are we moving away from this minefield? Yeah, let's move away from eugenics before we get ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Roosevelt, obviously, he liked to hunt. He liked, but he was also a huge advocate of wildlife preserves. He uh, he was, I mean, a lot of the parks and stuff we have today that was that was because of him in the U.S. So he had uh, he ended up getting preserved 230 million acres of public land for used to just future generations to just enjoy Earth and nature. And um, let's see, he created the U.S. Forest Service, uh, established 150 national forests, 51 federal bird reserves, five national game reserves, Whoa. five national parks, and 18 national monuments and this is at a time when people like were not thinking of animal preserves why would you want to preserve some animals you know like who cares yeah. like this was not how fast animal rights time yeah this was not uh, like PETA was not around at this time uh, so he was kind of ahead of his time on this this thing so yeah and he uh, he stated why why he did this he actually has a nice little quote on what his thoughts we have become great because of the lavish use of our resources but the time has come to inquire seriously what will happen when our forests are gone when the coal the iron the oil and the gas are exhausted when the soils have still further impoverished and washed into the streams polluting the rivers denuding the fields denuding the fields and obstructing navigation not quite sure what the that is denuding Denuding. Like, i've never heard of that i guess like, it's, it's like putting clothes on actually it means a strip of its covering possessions or assets oh you'd kind of think like to denude would be to like yeah. become not nude but it is to sort of yeah. i love this uh, feature of google docs which i'm sure we're probably both using right now right click define and there's also right click research and it'll just bring up some relevant things uh, you're probably yeah. much more familiar with this than me but I think that's great that's, that's nice yeah uh, so um, oh so getting into why what was where, why did he win his I think was it this episode or the last 
where we mentioned he won a Nobel Peace Prize? Doesn't feel super like we talked about it super recently, but we've had so much so, Roosevelt that I'm not sure. Yeah. So, anyways, he negotiated, helped negotiate the end of the Russo-Japanese War. Would you pronounce that Russo? Or I'd say Russo uh, or Russo. Russo. I don't know. Maybe it was. I'll... It was the yeah. Exactly. So yeah, he ended up, he kind of put a stop to that war. He, he offered to nego- to be the mediator between the two sides. Um, at the time, the Japanese were actually, well, it wasn't really publicly known at the time, like they were on the verge of, the government was on the verge of ba- basically bankrupting itself because of the war, but they were also winning the war. Mm. And so the Japanese people did not take kindly to the war ending because they thought we're, we're about to win this war, but they didn't really realize, obviously, the government wasn't going to say like, oh, we're kind of on our last leg here, even though we're winning. And um, so anyways, this wasn't, actually, this started a lot of anti-American um, stuff in Japan at the time was Roosevelt mediating the, the peace treaty here. But um, yeah, he did. And uh, he ended up, he invited both sides to come to America and, and he mediated the dispute uh, to the satisfaction of both sides. And he won a Nobel Peace Prize for it. Wow. Um, put a stop, helped put a stop to that war. Uh, he ended up reducing the national debt by about $90 million, which is about $2.2 billion today, which is uh, for reference here, that's about 5% of the national debt at the time uh, as president. Uh, oversaw the creation of the Panama Canal. And Wait, uh, yeah. These are like individual bonus yeah. facts, but they're all wrapped into one just because he's yeah, such a hero. I just figured there was so much more too. I could just go on and on like, a, okay, so I'll do a few more. He helped found the NCAA, which uh, National Collegiate Athletic Association, because okay. as, as, he was big on, on athletics. Uh, the Boone and Crockett Club, the Long Island Bird Club. He was one of the first 15 people elected to the American Ad- Academy of Arts and Letters and was president of the American Historical Association. And of course, he was a very noted historian himself, quite accomplished in that arena. Yeah, yeah. How long did you say he lived for? He lived until 60? 60, that was it. Did a lot. Did a lot. Yeah, yeah. I gotta get on it. I gotta, I, I, you know, met Roosevelt. <laughs> Roosevelt makes you feel like you're not yeah. really, you're not really up to much, doesn't he? Yeah, wow. yeah. I but to be fair, he did start out with a few million dollars. Like if you started out with a few million, you could maybe do more. He did, but know? we start out in the late twentieth century. You know. Yeah. He, yeah, that's true. We have a lot more opportunity. Oh yeah. To, um. So this one, this next one, we're gonna totally, uh, Carl Smallwood, FactFeed.com. We're gonna pull this one off this because I failed to make notes on it. <laughs> Oh, okay. Here we go. <laughs> Carl, everyone go visit his site because it's great. Um, I've never actually been see. to his website. I didn't even know he had a companion website. Or I suppose I knew. I just never picked across. And so, yeah. So his first, uh, Roosevelt, you know, he is a manly guy. He liked to be considered manly. Uh, and his first <laughs> picture, his first official White House po- portrait, what was painted, yeah. was what his daughter called the Mewing Kitten. So he ended up having that painting destroyed and instead <laughs> took a much more macho one, uh, had one. And if you go, we should probably link to this in the descriptions the fact fiend website you can go see the actual one and it totally looks look at that like he's got the little squint going on he's like looking like a manly man in this picture and the original one has been lost to history i would assume so because uh, uh he destroyed it uh, but that yeah his daughter called it the shame. mewing kitten yeah i would like to see the mewing kitten because i'm not really sure what the mewing kitten means but there's this yeah this isn't great podcast material but that photo of him he's looking particularly bad he's kind of like looking slightly off into the distance like yeah. A manly man. He might, know. I mean, that might be the only U.S. president to have their official portrait destroyed and make a new one. I don't, I've never heard, I don't know why anyone would have it, another one. Yeah. You know? Although these days it would be impossible. Like that would absolutely have leaked out or it'd be yeah. on the White House website. You could go through like the Wayback Machine. Yeah. And... Speaking of teddy bears, let's do, a, this one's a little bit unrelated, but kind of related. So the most famous teddy bear of all, probably Winnie the Pooh, right? Would you say? Yeah. Or do you have Rupert Bear? It's another big one. We, I've heard of Rupert Bear, but no, I, I'm not like familiar. Like I've just heard that that before. Now I'm realizing I, I, I don't really remember anything about Rupert the Bear, but he, <laughs> I think he likes marmalade. Or is that Winnie the Pooh? Winnie the Pooh likes honey. I think Rupert no, Bear honey, likes marmalade. Honey. He wears like a... Oh, that's interesting. So he, I assume then Rupert came after as sort of like the British equivalent. You know, I have no idea. I know it's very old. I always He's a very smartly dressed bear. That's what mostly I remember about it. Oh yeah, he's running like a... Oh, what's that material called? That kind of Scottish tartan. It looks like he's wearing sort of or checkered checkered yellow trousers and like a a a nice like red jumper and a smart yellow checkered scarf it's like rupert the bear is a ridiculously well well well-dressed bear like timelessly well-dressed interesting there you go that's that's my knowledge of rupert the bear i read a bunch of it i'm sure when i was a kid and watched the cartoons but that's all i remember rupert the well-dressed bear so uh so yeah and winnie the pooh have people uh a.a milnes he was actually based on his son's toys and it has a little bit of a british origin actually um except for the owl rabbit and gopher were not his son's toys so the uh, and the character of christopher robin himself was based on mill's son's christopher robin milne but the bear 
Bear was actually, it was um, Winnie, Winnie the Pooh was based after Winnie. It was a Canadian black bear that actually wound up in London because uh, Lieutenant Harry Colborne, who was the owner of the bear, he brought him over huh. during the war, but then he couldn't, he couldn't bring him to France. Uh, so he just, he donated it to the London Zoo and he said, I'll come, I'll take the bear back after the war. But then he decided not to. He just went ahead and World War One. he just was like, all right, you can keep the bear. And uh, so that is the name of the bear. Um, I'm much more curious about the poo part. Like yeah, Winnie the poop the part poo. was actually yeah the <laughs> the poop part was actually uh, black swan supposedly it's not oh we do know 100%. okay yeah yeah it was uh, the poo is a uh, Christopher Robin Milne uh, supposedly uh. saw this black swan on highway on holiday while he was vacationing and the the black swan's name was Pooh. <laughs> and so that is thought to be where the Winnie the Pooh. So it was the sort of the London bear was the Winnie name. And then the toys were based on sort of all the characters in the thing were based on his kid and his and this uh, Christopher Robin Milne himself, the son, did not take kindly to this. And he was he, he was not happy with his father sort of uh, raping his childhood, I think, as he put it. Um, wow. So, yeah, he was not happy with his with his dad for that's you know, that's that's aggressive. Like, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Well, there you go. I'm That's assuming that. like back in the day when he saw the bird called Pooh, he wasn't like, well, he's like, oh, I like feces. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. It was a sw- different meaning. It was a swan, and I want to do one thing that we've never done and okay. I didn't discuss. Oh, I'm excited. What is it? The end of every episode until I run out of ideas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Star Trek fact. Oh. Okay. So we're, we're at the end of the episode. Okay. Good. Yeah. Really, I just wanted to say. Okay, okay. Wait, are you just looking up a Star Trek fact now? No, I have this. I have this. Uh, this specific one I want to say because I just I I'd forgotten about this one. I I did this bonus fact a long time ago, and it never. I don't know. Maybe I'm the only one who thinks this is super fascinating. But I love this one. It was quick fact number one thousand six on today. I found out. Yeah. So, uh, so are you familiar with the song? Uh, speaking of roses, the rose uh, in the movie Bed Midler. No. Okay. This, so you know the character, though, in Star Trek The Next Generation. Let's see her name. Judge Advocate General Captain Philippa Lu- Louise. I'm going to need, I'm a big one? TNG fan. I'm going to need more context. Yeah, you're going to remember, you're going to remember the, uh, the, the Measure of a Man episode, the first great Star Trek The Next Generation episode, pretty much universal. This was the first one where it was like, this, this episode's amazing. The what's data, that, what's right? the storyline? Yeah, I'm so familiar data, with the name. They come along, that doctor, that whatever scientist, roboticist wants to take data, dismantle him, and yeah. try to copy copy new datas and so it comes along and they have to decide whether data has the right to say no yes i i'm i you know i know you can't take me apart and so the 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 you know starfleet considered him property and and picard goes and defends him right yep. so this is uh, judge advocate general captain philippa louise or whatever uh she's the she's the character there and sort of the uh picard her and picard have this kind of interesting relationship in this show but the point being this woman this woman a lot of people might not know wrote the song The Rose, which is like a super famous song if you've never, uh, Bette Midler made it famous. Um, also the movie. She wrote it in, uh, so what was it? She wrote it in under an hour in 1977. Now I, feel, now I make... feel like this is definitely, maybe it's something I need to listen to. What, what's what's you would... fair use? You can probably do like a few seconds of it, couldn't we? We could put like five yeah, seconds of the a, song in here. Yeah, we could do a fair use. And if you want to pause right now and go listen to it for a second, just yeah. to, you would just need to listen to a few seconds of it and you'd, you'd recognize it, I'm quite sure. Okay. Um, I'll play a few seconds when I'm editing this episode on the, the outro when we are finished. Yeah. Yeah. So this is like a this is like a famous song, famous movie, Bette Midler. Um, yeah. She was just trying to write something Bob Seger like was was her goal uh-huh. to try to get a record deal. There and she writes this song. Uh, she actually performed it herself for a while. And then uh, and eventually um, Bette Midler picked it up and it became like the, one of the, you know, an incredibly popular song. And yeah, but this is the judge advocate general on, on Star Trek Next Generation, that lady. So after doing this, she went on to become an actress because this would be. Yes, she was also yeah. actress singer Amanda McBroom, if you want to go look Amanda up her. Amanda McBroom. Uh, I'm. Uh, I, I guess this is one of those songs that I, it will sound familiar when I hear it, at least. Oh, you'll I, recognize I it instantly. Okay. I'm quite yeah. sure I've, everyone's heard the song, and I'm sure everyone else. Oh, has. have you seen Napoleon Dynamite? The movie yes, I Napoleon have. Dynamite. Yeah, so that's the one. Uh, they they do that at some point in there. I think they do the little um, little sign language version of it, if I remember correctly. It's been about ten years. When did Napoleon Dynamite first came out? I remember. Yeah, that was that. that was like when I was in college. So, yeah. yeah. Napoleon Dynamite is a 2004 American comedy film produced by Jeremy Kuhn. You know what I think we could do for the Star Trek facts? Yeah. As we're ending each one, we just roll into it as if we're just talking about it. You know, we don't make any mention of the fact that this is now completely unrelated. So it'll be like, we'll be talking about like Winnie the Pooh and how it's related. To the- and yeah, speaking of that, have you seen the the next generation? <laughs> yeah. Just tie it all in really badly. like Yeah, just the, the king yeah. of bad segues. <laughs> speaking of Roosevelt yeah. and roses, <laughs> the song The Rose. Yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> I bet I bet we could tie it in. I bet we could yeah. tie it in. Speaking yeah. about the measure of a man, you know, Roosevelt, yeah, he was yeah, quite the man. Exactly. Have you seen the he Star Trek This one ties in really well, actually, and naturally. We should have just done that from the start. I think there's always ways to tie it in. No. Uh, you could speak, speaking of the, like, sense, speaking of Sentinels of Justice, in the episode yeah. Measure of Man, the Sentinel of Justice. <laughs> yeah. yeah so, a, and uh, by the way, that is a great episode. That really is, like, the, uh, probably the first great episode of Star Trek. Uh, like, up until that point, you know, they were kind of awful first first season. Then second season was kind of hit or miss. And I believe it was towards the end or the middle of the second season was the Measure of a Man. And it was like, oh, this is going to be good. Yeah. I like this. Uh, we're getting a little bit off topic now, but the fact that doesn't Netflix always do two seasons? So it won't just grab, it won't commission a show for one season or commission a show for two seasons. And I thought this is great because often there's so many shows where it's like, eh, the first season's kind of bad because they're finding their feet. And then the second season, yeah. it, you know, it shows potential. Yeah, the first season of like almost every show, even the shows you like, if you if you go back and watch the first season of almost any show after you've watched the completion, say it goes like five to seven seasons, go back and watch the first season. And while you might have thought it was good the first season, by the time you get into the end, they're so much better yeah. that when you go back to the first, it's just always like, why did I even like this show? It's yeah. like awful. How did I get into uh, this? It's, it's like every time, every time, even like some of the greatest shows of all time. It's like like Star Trek, which is un- unequivocally the greatest show of all time. Mm, as we as we well know. So we're wrapping it up there. Yeah. And just for the record, it was season two, episode nine, The Measure of a Man. There you go, about halfway through the second season thing. 24 episodes yeah. in the second season, or had they gone yeah, on to full like season that at probably. that point? Uh, I think... Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't really matter. It was mid-season-ish. Do remember to head over to iTunes or wherever you listen to this podcast, give us a review. Like we say, we get 100 iTunes reviews. We're doing a little giveaway, so uh, go check that out. What else do we need to say? Join us next week. Another one. Got a, an interview coming up. I can't really say that because these are, this won't be in, in the right order. But anything else we need we to We do add? have an interview coming up at some point, so we can just say that unequivocally. Unless like or it has already or something. Like, yeah. <laughs> like if we get in a car accident or something, and then you know, then we'll be liars. But otherwise, there will be an interview at some point. <laughs> that, that That's morbid. It'll be like, we've been in a car accident, but we can still, you know, post-mortem put out their podcast episodes. <laughs> so that's an interesting thing. Like, what, what is your stance on this? Because let's say, because we do record several episodes, episodes ahead should i should i or you continue putting out episodes after knowing knowing good and well the other one is dead now that would do you, be do you, we should probably have a conversation about this at some point <laughs> it's just so morbid i vote i vote you do just because it'd be fascinating like from the other two you know here here the here the it, stuff it, it would be kind of weird it's like yeah simon was involved in a terrible plane accident and uh now it's yeah. like and we now have... plane plane crash corner speaking of hello internet <laughs> <laughs> yeah there we go um, I bet that that would probably make it into their plane crash corner, wouldn't it? Like YouTuber. it would be like a really, if nothing else, like a really popular episode. Yes, but I think going I out think... on a going out on a bang, like maybe literally. And, and I, I think that's where we can end it today. So you like the Nazis?